Honey, you wouldn't hurt me, would you, sweetheart? Sweetheart, be reasonable. After all, we're married. Consider that a divorce. Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or are best left in the past. I'm Tristan. And I'm Greg. It's, uh, it's, a, it's an old-fashioned Friday night at Shea Burrell. We're back in our, in, our, in our home turf. In the studio. In our studio together. Which is nice. It is nice. We've got Seymour the dog here. He's chewing on something. I feel like the mic's picking that up too. He's chewing on a cow's ear. Ah, it's a cow's ear. <laughs> I'm trying to make a monkey out of you. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's better than him barking, so it is what it is. Yes. Well, we'll leave that up to our poor editor. <laughs> Lol. Lol. Oh, big news. We're doing, big a, news. We're doing a pod retreat Huge next. Huge news. Long weekend in Australia next weekend. Um, we're going away not very far. Double date long weekend. We might even do a Wives edition of the podcast. Wives of the show. So you've heard a lot about Wives of the show and maybe you'll finally meet them audibly. Audibly. So keep an eye out for that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's no campaign 2000, but. It'll do. We could do a shout-out request type arrangement to um, Chick Flicks. Chick Flicks. Yeah, it's true. We've had it. We have had some feedback. We have on the socials about not enough Chick Flicks. We have um, our dismissal of a few Chick Flicks in the past has rubbed some people the wrong way. So, if there are Chick Flicks you'd like us to cover, um, of course, wives of the show have all rights of veto, but. True. We can happily pitch them True. Um, what you like. Friend of the show, Lisa, has pinged us a few in the past. Maybe we can That's look at right. those. Yeah. I like the idea of us doing like a – because I, I very much enjoy the commentary the girls give when we watch something that they think is crap. Well, this is the thing. The next movie is a Van Damme movie. Which one is it again? I kind of like the idea of them just joining the – So nowhere to run? <laughs> I think so. I, I kind of like the run. idea of them joining a Van Damme joint. Yeah, me too. Um, although I, I've been trying to pitch First Wives Club since they are our first wives. Yeah, technically. Um, it hasn't gone down well. No, the notion <laughs> of them not being the last wives is... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but technically so correct. But it is. Greg Way. Um, good Greg Way. We're still in the 90s this year, we just. Are. We've done a bit of a... This week. More than a trifecta at this point, mm, haven't we? Quad, is it Quadella? Quadella. Quad, Quinella. Quinella. That's two. <laughs> a, We've done a double, double Quinella. Quinella. Yes. <laughs> um, and we are in Latpak territory. Squarely placed in oh, the lattiest of packs. Perhaps. Oh, the lattiest, the wingman himself, Arnold, Arnold, Arnold. Give those people air. Give them the air, Cohagen. Cohagen. You know, they had to choose a name for the, um, for the bad guy that was really good when he yelled it. Is that. Are you thinking that? Or I'm is thinking that, it. Yeah, okay. I think I I was kind of thinking that. You know, like if it, first it was Smith, and they're like <laughs> Smith. No, That's not enough. Know. Not enough syllables. You need, need a mixture of. And then obviously the the Dutch legend Paul actually. No, yes. He was like, no, we need I a think, name like Cohagen. It's important for you to be able to yell the name. It's Cohagen. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. We. This is how. It, this is this is the origin story. So we should. 
pause that. Cause, we should pause that, yeah. Because um, we've got to talk we'll, a bit about 1990. We do have to talk about 1990. Contextualise the year for us. Bring us back. Uh, the first year of the 90s, actually. It was, yeah. Yeah, so. maybe it's still first a bit of, of a... ten. Yeah, uh, this one plus the um, following nine. Mm. So much like men and women of Mars, yep. which we cover in this film, struggling for the air <laughs> in Total Recall, Earthlings also do, had quite an issue down on planet Earth in 1990, um, scientists discovering yet another hole in the ozone layer uh. when depletion of the ozone layer was discovered above the North Pole. Right. 84 was the first... Uh, ever hole discovery down in Antarctica, obviously above Australia. Mm. We bear the brunt of the hole. We bear the brunt of it. So I just, love a sunburnt country. Oh, but this is getting ridiculous. This is getting ridiculous. The um, obviously ozone, the gas layer in the atmosphere protects everything on Earth from UV rays. Mm-hmm. Um, so the absence of that means the world will Earth will burn. And we may become mutants, yeah. but we might be able to read minds. Go ahead and get them the, the UV protection and the, the ozone. The Doesn't goggles do nothing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, we copped, uh, as you say, the brunt of this down in Australia. Growing up, sun safety was a big thing. It was. Did you um, – Did you? I've got an ad here that um, the, our Australian friends of the show might remember. Yeah, this is pretty iconic, isn't it? Slip, slop, slap. Big deal. Slip on some. Slip on a shirt. Slip on a shirt. Slap slop. on a slop. Slip slop. Slop, slop on, on sunscreen. sunscreen. Slap, on, slap a hat. on a hat. And then they later introduced rap. Yeah, which was not cool. Rap I mean, on some shades. Yeah. W A R. Is this from 1980? The sun's yeah. shining down, so Mr. Brown. But you think it isn't so hot. No, it's not. Uh, this is a cartoon of sorts. Or work in the sun. Yeah. This isn't like a sausage. Most certainly not. Be careful about small kitties. Yeah. Just say these simple is words. Is this an existing character? Slop, slap. It sounds like a breeze when you say it like that. Slip, <laughs> slop, slap. But Slip Slop Slap was huge. I thought it started much later than 1980. Yeah, there you go. The uh, we were we were getting you know Slip Slop Slap part A reboot. Perhaps. Reboot. Yeah. Maybe it was. So that was my nostalgic little connection there. It's an absolute connection there because we talk in this very picture. We're talking about atmospheres. We're talking about radiation. We're talking about a hole. That, that is mutating a generation uh-huh. of would-be lovely human Mutants. refugee down immigrant in, Martians, I down suppose. Down in Venusville. Down in Venusville. Is that what it's called? It's called Venusville. Uh, yeah, I thought it sounded like Penisville and I thought it can't be yeah. Penisville. <laughs> <laughs> the only reason I couldn't distinguish. I, I couldn't wouldn't dis- put it past the Dutchman. True, true it's a shville. It's got to be a penis. <laughs> um, now I, I should um, caveat. It's natural. We're about – Six minutes in or so, and uh, we, we've been breaking out a few Verhoeven uh, impressions, and they're not going to stop because we, we've been egged on. We have. Um, a few, there's been a few requests for more Verhoeven impressions. By, so. by Verhoeven himself, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> we, we, how, how are we to we know? We can't confirm or deny. How are we to know? Oh. Did we say that we're doing Total Recall? We're doing Total Recall. Yeah, yeah, just wanted to be sure. I mean, yeah. Anyone that's pressed play on this should know by now. 
that we're doing. Yeah, do you remember really cool. when, we first, when we first started, we'd be like, guys, do you want to tell them what we're doing this week? <laughs> Big surprise. Big surprise. This week, we're doing. <laughs> yeah. Hey, 1990, the hole in the ozone layer was huge. You know, you know what else was huge in 1990? Films. The pictures. The pictures. You know what the number one movie in 1990 was? Uh, I should. Should have made you cry. Um, <laughs> that could be anything. <laughs> Sisterhood of the Travelling Pants came yeah, out in 1990. Yeah, yeah, Sisterhood. Um, <laughs> uh, Ghost. Yes, correct. Um, we've, we've covered that previously. Around ditto. The, and, and ditto, tell a ditto. One of our lower performing episodes because it came out around Christmas. So I'll encourage you to go back and check it out because Is it? it made Greg cry. Yeah, the episode. <laughs> the episode. Tristan was mean. <laughs> uh, big year for movies, Days of Thunder, Back to the Future Part 2, Three Men and a Little Lady, Edward Scissorhands, Problem Child, Goodfellas, which we've covered, Ooh, of course. Of course, of course. Gremlins 2, which I'm, I'm pretty ready to revisit the, yeah. uh, the Gremlins universe. The New York Gremlins. Yeah. But the top five uh, in 1990, number one was Ghost, as we said. Number two, Home Alone, which we've also covered. Number three, Pretty Woman. Number four, Dances with Wolves. And number five was, of course, this very picture, Total Recall. So it came out in June 1990, budget of about 60 mil. One of the most expensivest at this point yeah. in film history. As I it mean, turns out. I mean, she fake titties aren't the titty budget was off the charts. That's right, at least fifty percent larger than <laughs> other titty budgets. Yes, they actually were going to have four breasts, but they thought she looked too much like <laughs> too much like cow. <laughs> Just, yeah. That's legit. They yeah. thought because Cronenberg said it's, it's a biological impossibility because the, the nipples. You look at a dog; the nipples are two, two, two. It's, it's always two. So I said we should have to four nipples, and they said uh, no, three would be better. Is that? That's legit. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have a clip on that, but there's kind of no point because he uh, just says almost yeah. exactly that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm glad we got that one out of the yeah, way. Yeah. I mean, it's not the last time we'll talk about three boobs, but. Um, it's the first. It's the first. So budget of $60 million, a return of $261.3 million, which is pretty huge. Top well, five movie in the world. That's Arnie, man. It's Arnie. He brings he brings the budgets and he brings the returns. Yeah, brings them gains. Brings them gains. Critic score of eighty two percent. Audience score of seventy eight percent. Oh yeah, quite high. I was kind of hoping for higher. Um, yeah, it's higher. Well, oh man, you know, don't want to give too much away. I don't want to give too much away, but it's higher than that. This is. Oh, I love this movie so much. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love it. For context, the remake had a critic score of 31%, mm. audience score of 47%. What? That's inverse. <laughs> it's inverse. Um, but it's a piece of junk, basically. Well, I, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a couple of points on it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure we'll get into that when we get into legacy and such. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, but what about back in 1990 or the years that followed? Was this a big picture for you? Uh, yeah, because it was. Look, it was that era where it was pretty hard to get your hands on movies. Yeah. You know, it was like trying to buy alcohol when you were under 18. Yeah. Except it was a movie. 
Um, it was obviously a very violent movie, so my parents wouldn't have been letting me watch this. Yeah. By any means. Um, there was a couple of scenes that were like, you know, big at the time. Yeah. Smashing through the security screen. Yeah. Early CGI, man. Yeah. She was epic. Yeah. That was a big deal. Um, two weeks. Yeah. Man. Still epic. Iconic. Uh, there was an early acknowledgement, I think, of Sharon Stone. Yeah. Um, but she obviously was a, a distant second at that stage, the three-boobed lady. <laughs> That's probably it. Yeah. In, that, in, in reverse order. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I couldn't really remember um, early viewings of this. Yeah. And, and not to jump ahead, but until the rewatch when the three-boobed lady came out and I had a flashback to seeing that scene with my dad and it being really awkward. Yeah. And Because we never really... Talked about three boobs. <laughs> yeah, ever. Um, I think, so this is the thing. I think I was about maybe 10 or something. So yep. maybe it was like 94-ish or something. Uh-huh. And I would, I would go to my dad's every second weekend and he had Foxtel. So that was pretty exciting. And I think it was just one of those nights where for whatever reason, it ended up just being the two of us and this movie was on and we ended up watching the whole thing together. And it was kind of cool like mm. father-son moment. Like, yeah, I'm pretty grown up right now. Yeah, yeah. But then the three boobs thing was so awkward because, yeah, we never, there was no... It wasn't. <laughs> oh, there's uh, there's nothing like watching a sex scene with your parents. It was that kind of, and it's like, yeah, she she's got three of them. Like, <laughs> yep. Please move along, plot. Please Fast move along. Forward. But it was really cool because um, rubbing them. I loved Arnie at that point, obviously. Who didn't? But I think the magic of this movie. I think both of us we just got sucked in. My dad as well. Like yeah. we were just like, what what the fuck is happening in this movie? Would you have described it as a roller coaster? It was a roller coaster and I think the magic of being that age and then also sort of being a weird bonding moment with my dad. It was like really cool. Nice. That's a good that's a good distilled memory. Yeah, and I I'd, I'd kind of forgotten until that awkward moment popped up in my head. Yeah, the third the titty. Third titty. <laughs> third titty. Wish I had three hands. <laughs> Clever line. Do you want to uh tell us a little bit about how it came to be. The origins of this movie, perhaps? Yeah. Origin story. All right. So I think most people are aware of the origins of, of <laughs> <laughs> the fact that it's a Philip K. Dick story. I wasn't. Oh, really? No. Even up until like re- now? Yeah, I didn't really know too much about Philip K. Dick ah, before this podcast. Right. I knew that Blade Runner was written by someone that had written other things. Yeah, so Blade Runner guy, Minority Report guy is this guy. Space um, Odyssey guy. No. <laughs> <laughs> kindergarten cop guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, kindergarten cop. He's very big into sci-fi. So is, sci-fi is all about projecting a, a, a fear from today into the future. So what if a cop became a, a, yeah. a, a Is that what they say sci-fi is? Projecting I think, a fear I think today it's projecting a science-based concern of today into the future. They're like explore what the consequences might be kind of thing. Or like, so what like, if this What if happen? the hole in the ozone layer got bigger? Yeah. What if we could get to Mars? What if they could insert memories into your brain? How does that change who you are? Mm. Are you your memories? Or are you, you know, this movie raises some interesting questions. Yeah. And Philip K. Dick loved that shit. It was all about what is the self, who are you, what does it mean to be a human, i.e. Blade Runner. Mm, um, versus a robot. Versus a robot, exactly. And um, It looks like a human. It, it looks like a human, a replicant perhaps. Mm, yes. Um, but this, is, unlike Blade Runner, which was based on a novel, 
but that novel was called Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? This yes. man loved a long title. He did. What's this, this one called? This was based on a short story, which was not even a short book. Short story, long title? Short story, long title. Half of the book is the title, I believe. It's called We'll Remember It For You Wholesale. Yeah, wholesale money, cash money. Yeah, cash money. It came out in 1966. And yeah, it wasn't even a book. It was a 26-page short story published in a sci- sci-fi mag called um, Fantasy and Science Fiction. So that was in 1966. And would you believe it? It was only 1974 that a couple of writers acquired the rights to it. They the Farrelly brothers? It or whatever. <laughs> I think they were just busy being born. Mm. Um there was a couple of writers named Ronald Shusset and Dan O'Bannon. Uh-huh. And they bought the rights in 74. Cool. And I wonder what they paid for said rights. Oh, it was minimal. So I can't remember what the figure, but it was minimal. Philip K. Dick wasn't famous yet. He was just more of a pulp writer. Uh-huh. Apparently he, he blew up a lot more, I think, once the Blade Runner movie happened? No, I think he died before it happened. Did he? Then what was – maybe died, the book, maybe I, just the book then. I'm an expert because I read, you know, about it this week. I think he – yeah, maybe the book. Yeah. But he, I'm pretty sure he died before – just before Blade Runner was released. So he technically right. never saw any of his – But I wouldn't be surprised then if, um, you know, like a lot of artists, they become a lot bigger after they die. Yeah, like um, – Because there's a lot more movies based on Philip K. Dick than I th- realised. Yeah, what's the other – there's another big – Minority Report's a big one. Is it the fourth big a, one? A Scanner there? Darkly. Oh, yeah, I guess. That's, uh, no, there's another one, Adjustment Bureau. There's a bunch. Yeah. But the, the big three. Uh, ah, there's not a big four. Well, A Scanner Darkly was kind of big. It's got Keanu in it. Probably thinking of Blade Runner 2, which doesn't really count. It doesn't really count, but that was pretty good. Anyway. So there's a script, but it's been bought by a couple of guys that are not the Farrelly brothers. They're not the, they're not the Farrelly brothers. <laughs> Um, are they brothers? No, no, mm. unfortunately. They're friends though, they're friends. Oh, so they might call each other brother. They might say brother from another mother or, yeah, or other. Bro. Yeah, bro, bro surf, bra. 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 Um, but this is a classic case, Greg, of, of early excitement, then film getting stuck in uh, development hell. Oh, tell me about it. Development hell. No, so, no, no, tell me about oh, it. Oh, okay, sorry. I'll, I'll tell you about it then. So... Even the writing itself, because it was a short story. Uh huh. So a lot of what you see in the movie is new stuff. They had to write that stuff, and they got really stuck. You got to write a script. You, you got to write a story. Script. You got to write a script. You have the beginning. You got to have the middle. You got to have the end. You got the first act, the second act, the third act, and they got stuck on that third act. Did they? They got really stuck. They actually ended up taking a break, and during that break, cracked a little story for a little picture called Alien. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So that was. That was these that two was guys. That was during the writing of this. Yeah, which was over like a 10-year period okay. or something, yeah. Should I touch on real quick what the original story was just so you can see how much these guys had to write to turn it into a movie? Yes. It's interesting. It's a lot less than I thought. So basically in, in, the, in the short story, it's a lot simpler. For starters, his name was not Douglas Quaid. It was Douglas Quail. <laughs> <laughs> Creative choices. Wow. Oh, yeah. Um, he worked a menial office job, so he was not a construction worker with the muscles in the things. Uh-huh. Um, has always wanted to go to Mars. Wife says, nah, don't go to Mars, bro. We don't like it there. Yeah. But he goes what to. What wife does. Exactly. So, he, But he still goes to Recall Incorporated, gets Mars. Recall, Recall. <laughs> gets those memories put in there. Shit goes down, same thing happens. But this, the book seems pretty definite on the fact that his memories were unlocked and he was a spy. Ah, oh, okay. And um, 
basically all that stuff happens and unlocks his memory and they go, oh, fu- we fucked up. They give him half a refund and send him home. <laughs> I love that half, half a refund. A refund. <laughs> well, you still got it. You got some new memories. Fuck. What do you yeah. want? Goes home, argues with the wife about whether they've been to Mars. She leaves him. Armed guards come in. They've been listening to his brain because he's got like a telepathic thing set up because they're oh, keeping an eye on him. That's troublesome. And he um, takes him down. He's, he ends up communicating with his old commander through his telepathy thing. Yeah. Through his tracking and thing or? They strike it. Yeah, whatever that was. They strike a deal and say, okay, what if we just put in different memories, memories that I'd be happy with, and we'll just wipe the slate clean, so to speak, with some fresh mems. And, um, they let him it's choose his messy own. in there. <laughs> no, exactly. Scrambled eggs. <laughs> <laughs> he got to choose his own, like, backstory and he... Where did he go with? He said, well, he always had this fantasy as a child that he had an alien encounter mm-hmm. and the aliens were going to destroy the earth, but he was so nice to the aliens that they decided not while he's alive, they won't attack. Oh, jeez. And he goes through the process and it turns out that was also a real memory. So that's like that's the that's the twist in the book or in the short story. So you can see there's a lot more. They they these writers I reckon did a, a fucking stellar job, stellar job in cracking this story because yeah. there's so much. I mean, they took a concept essentially. Yeah, they barely took the story. They gave us Kohagen. They gave us Kohagen. They gave us Quato. Actually, they didn't give us Quato. Someone else gave us Quato. I'll get into that in a sec. So basically there were over 40 iterations of this brief, of this brief, of this, again, I was thinking about work. My, when you script. said brief then I just got Your a little heart, sh- yeah. my shot. I was like, there's a brief? So did I. Have I, have I not? Have I not? Ooh. Oh, have I failed to send out a brief? <laughs> but yeah, over 40 iterations of this script, like I said, they were really struggling with the third act. This was years we're talking, years. And then they eventually cut it, uh, cut it. They eventually crack it. With this idea of cutting off the air and to give those people air. What if in the core of the, the Mars there was a thing with the air and the atmosphere? Yada yada yada. So yeah, I think it's like seven years at this point, but they but they've cracked the third act, so they're they're off to the races a little bit. And they've written alien, so yeah, yeah. And big time producer Dino De Laurentiis, Italian dude, uh big time Hollywood producer guy, it yeah. seems. He scoops it up and he's like, Let's make let's make a movie. Anyway, he cycled through quite a few directors at, at certain points, apparently seven directors and various casting ideas. And I don't know the exact combinations of how these things match up, but one of the big directors that was involved for over a year was David Cronenberg, which ah. is a good fit because he's the fly guy. He did the fly, which is it's got that same suppose, kind of vibe yeah. to it. Uh, he worked on it for like a year. They couldn't agree. A year. Yeah. He wanted William Hurt in the role. Oh, yeah, I like William Hurt. Yeah. He, who, who doesn't? While he left, he did contribute to the script a little bit and he introduced the idea of mutants and he introduced the idea of Quato. So, so I, you're welcome. Yeah, I think that's – I liked it. He got involved for a little bit. Then Bruce Beresford comes in to direct. And Bruce Beresford, he's one of those names I didn't know, but he's, he's an Aussie. Aussie. Yeah. yeah, he's Aussie. He did Driving Miss Daisy, Double Jeopardy, a bunch of others. Maybe that's why Double Jeopardy was on every bloody weekend in Australia. For, still is probably. <laughs> and at some point, I don't know if this was Bruce Beresford or Cronenberg or someone else, but at, at one point, very seriously, Richard Dreyfus was attached. Yeah. Because it was the office worker. That was uh-huh. At this point, 
it's still about a menial office job guy. It's an ordinary guy. That's part of the main idea, which is funny because the Terminator was like that too. It was supposed to be an ordinary guy that can fit in and not stick out too much. Um, <laughs> and they get the most stickiest, outest guy they could find in the end. But anyway, <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, Bruce Beresford gets the okay. It's all happening. They go off to the Gold Coast. Patrick Swayze in the lead. They've, they've built the set. Swayze. They're about to shoot. Patrick Swayze is quaid. Oh, the zen he would have brought to that part. Oh, man. Man. Intergalactic zen. But then as fate would have it, uh, Dino De Laurenti's company goes bankrupt and they have to cancel the whole damn thing. So, again. Dino, come on, mate. Dino, too many, get it together, Too many man. sexy parties in the Hollywood Hills. <laughs> exactly. So, again, back at square one, we're in development hell. Oh, um, how long is this by now? Oh, it's, I don't know. Two 30, decades. 30 odd years. <laughs> But what if I told you there was someone behind the scenes, someone lurking in the shadows that had his eye Aye. on this, uh, he had his eye on this script for some time. Someone by the name of Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> well, I was always on top of that movie and checked it out because I loved that story. Dina felt that. Uh, the story would work much better if uh, it's not me starring in it. And he had his reasons for it. I was uh, not about to, to argue his reasons because he had his and I had mine why I should be doing it, of course. You know, that was the way it went. So Arnold comes in because he had approached Dino in the early days and he's like, nah, you're like, it's supposed to be an ordinary guy. What are you talking about? You're, the, you're an extraordinary guy. Um, Give me the keys to your motorcycle and your screens. <laughs> exactly. And also in those early days, I guess Arnold probably wasn't as famous either. And in any case, he sees this opportunity. He gets his mate Mario, what's his name? Mario something at Carol Co. to buy it. Carol Co. They pick it up for $3 million. He negotiates a salary of $10 million plus 15% of profits plus all of these creative, um, um, what's it, creative control. Yeah. Like all kinds. Basically write a veto of anything, producer, director, screenplay, co-stars, whatever. I didn't realise he was such a force in this movie. And fuck yeah, good on him, man. Such a big dick player. Like he knew what he was doing. And that's that's how they get $60 million behind it too. So uh, this movie changed in a lot of ways with him being in the lead. But also I I think the... the, happened. Yeah, we get the best version of it in many ways too. So, yeah, I mean, the story had to change a little bit, right, because we shifted from a Richard Dreyfus type to an Arnold type. And um, he brought in, uh, I don't know if it was Arnold or if it was uh, Verhoeven, brought in a, a writer named Gary Goldman to give a few touch-ups there. But he was involved in uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Oh, yeah. So as each of these little movies that get sprinkled in in references of different people being involved in different things, Alien, Big Trouble in Little China, The Fly, you can see those flavours Sprinkled throughout, there's that's kind of mm. it, they're not worlds apart. It's interesting, but uh, I was thinking of the planets, way planets apart, you might say planets apart, perhaps. Yeah, but the way Arnold went after this movie was not not dissimilar to Vincent Chase going after Medellin. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it had to be said. It had to be said. It had to be said. It had to be said, man. Uh, Please never reference them again. But speaking of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but speaking of Arnold being um, a creative force for this movie, he chose Verhoeven. He wanted Verhoeven. Because so he liked the Robocop. He liked the Robocop. He wanted to be the Robocop. 
And um, I mean, I'm sure he eventually loved um, Basic Instinct. Basic Instinct and probably Showgirls. <laughs> but, but at this point, uh, Robocop was, was enough for him. First thing I did was I called Paul Verhoeven and I said, remember when we met a few months ago after you came out with Robocop? And I said to you, he says, Paul, you and I, we have to work together. You're exactly my style of directing, my style of visual looks. It's a visual feast watching your movies. It's extraordinary. <laughs> so, so he says, yeah, remember that. And I said, well, I have the project first now. So good on him again. Like that's good vision. Great you, you would think that this this is something. 2020. That, yeah, right? You would think this is something Verhoeven hand picked, but Arnold picked it for Verhoeven. Yeah, That's crazy. That's cool, man. That's cool. Just, uh, you know, it gives the big man an extra level of cred, doesn't it? It really does. He wasn't he's fluking a, his way. He wasn't a one trick pony. He's a businessman. Yeah, he's and a, a creative one at that. He is. He's a creative one, a visionary. Now, I've sprinkled in some um, interesting precasts along the way. But I thought I'd just hit a few more uh, before we wrap up this origin story. There's not many for the female leads because they found Rachel Tickerton and Sharon Stone very quickly, like within uh, a couple of days. Oh, yeah. Um, but some other precast is for, for Quaid, some names thrown around with Jeff Bridges. Mm-hmm. Matthew Broderick, as was the trend at the time. Thank goodness. He's in every <laughs> He's conversation. In every, every conversation. Richard Dreyfus said Tom Selleck, Christopher Reeve, not sure about that one. Oh, you know, I was so some of this stuff, some of the um, precasties. I look on, I look on IMDb trivia, and but I'm always a bit like take it with a grain of salt because yeah. I, I think that's all like just user generated shit. And then one of the trivia points was Arnold was 41 when he made this movie, and I was like, see, this is all bullshit. He wasn't 41 when he made this movie, and I was like, oh wait, yeah, he probably was. He's 72 now. Arnold's yeah. 72 years old. It's crazy. I thought it was 40, like 15 years ago. <laughs> nope. You know what I mean? It's crazy. Yeah. But I'm happy to know that he wasn't younger than us. He in was movie. older. So we've got yeah. a few years. Yeah, we've got a few years. We can still save Mars, man. We can still save Mars. We missed Olympia eight times. Absolutely. Yeah. So there were, there were some interesting precasts, but I think Swayze is an interesting one for sure. Richard Dreyfus is an interesting one for sure. But just to round out the cast of those who actually did land the roles, we had – this means nothing to you, Greg, actually, because you're the one person in the world that hasn't watched Breaking Bad. But Dean Norris was Tony Vagina Face. Yep. Um, he's in Breaking Bad. I know. He's the brother-in-law, the oh, cop. Okay, there you go. Okay, good. He's the one that educates him kind of. No, he takes him on the beat or something. Yeah, in the first episode. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah see? Yeah. Um, Michael Ironside, a Verhoeven staple. Yes. As Richter. And Ronnie Cox as Kaigan. Ronnie Cox, I didn't realize how often he's a bad guy, because I always think of him in Beverly Hills. Beverly Cop. Hills Cop is yeah. like the, the legend. But he seems like he's more often a bad guy. Um, hey, this was shot in Mexico City, which is kind of cool. Yeah, a lot of those, a lot of the sets were real at mm. like the train station and stuff. Yep, because they had a lot of, I think the architectural trend is like brutalism or whatever, like the harsh concrete. Yeah, right. Stuff. And they're like, this is that that's the future they were trying to do. And they're like, fuck it, yes, we'll do that. Do it there, then. And every, need to build sets. everyone except for Arnold and Ronald Shusset, the other writer, everyone except those two got sick. Yeah, really? <laughs> like kind of constantly. Is that because they ate their own things? I think so. I think Arnold had his own nutrition. I think he had my muscle meals shipped yeah, in. <laughs> yeah. And the other guy was a health nut or and, something. Yeah, the other guy was paranoid. But yeah, they shot the movie Bish Bash Bosh Rap Party at the Viper Room. Boom. Yeah. 
At uh, El Viper Room. El Viper, the titty twister. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the triple titty twister. <laughs> um, now, I'm going to play the trailer just to get us in the mood. But I've got to warn you, the trailer's a bit shit. Yeah. Your mind, it is the center of your life. It is everything you hear, everything you see, everything you feel. It is everything you are. How would you know if someone stole your mind? Arrest that woman! Quaid. Cut. Get ready for a surprise! We can't let him run around, he knows too much. They've got your bug. I get a lock. There! And the bug's in your skull. Take this thing out of the case and stick it up your nose. Don't worry, it's self-guiding. Got him. I lost him. Welcome to Mars. You got a lot of nerve showing your face around here. Look who's talking. your identity and implanted a new one if i'm not me who the hell am i if i'm not me he's got a hologram welcome to johnny cab drive where can i take you tonight please fasten your seatbelt. i want quay delivered alive for re-implantation that's for making me come to mars you wouldn't hurt me after all we're married Consider that a divorce. We hope you enjoyed the ride. It's a long-ass trailer that doesn't say a lot. Gosh, yeah, that was... We got a taste of LaFontaine in the beginning, but he really didn't do the typical, let me tell you everything about this picture. Yeah. But, yeah, I got nothing from that trailer. That tells us nothing. So, mm. Greg, you're going to have to tell us what the hell is this movie about. Yeah, okay. Recap it for us. It's, un, you know, usually, as I say, when Don's involved, there's not a lot to say, but this might be an exception. Mm. Uh, Total Recall asks you to open your mind. Ah. Open your mind. It grapples with the question that we've all asked ourselves from time to time. Mm. What if you found out today that everything you know and remember Mm. was not real? Mm. Your wife, your advertising or construction job, Mm. your podcast, Mm. a memory implanted to hide the fact that you are actually a secret agent on the run from the agency. A secret agent who thinks he's on the run from the agency, but potentially that part is just to trick you into infiltrating 
the rebel group on Mars in order for you to lead the agency back to the guy with the man-baby growing in his stomach. Double twist. But then you're not sure which side you're on because maybe you're the bad guy, but maybe that you really just want to get them to Aya. Yeah, give those people Aya. And what makes a bad guy? If you don't remember it, does that mean it was you? He didn't remember it. Who's Quaid? Are you your memories? Are you something else? These are the questions, Greg. These are the questions. It's also a bit of a love story. It is also a love story. (laughs) Between a mutant cabbie and a hooker with three boobies. (laughs) Ah, Benny. Five kids to feed. Benny. Benny. (laughs) Son of a bitch. Uh, You have to split. Wrong movie. <laughs> that was some steam, Benny. What does he say? He's got a few little zingers in this. Consider that a divorce. Consider it a divorce. Um, what was the other one? But I'm always back in the morning. <laughs> That's the other one. She's like, you dream about her every night. He's like, uh, but I'm always here in the morning. <laughs> there's a lot. Yeah, and I can't remember any there's of a right good, now. There's a good kill one. Uh, yeah, I see you at the party. No, what's that one? Yeah, it's like a yet to split time. Oh, it'll it'll come up as we go, I'm sure, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. If not, we've failed as podcasters. How was the rewatch for you, sir? <sighs> I think I know the answer. Fuck, I love this movie so <laughs> much. I think this is this is probably top five movies of all time for me. Wow. And I think um, I think I, I showed a lot of my hand on the Basic Instinct episode with my love for Verhoeven and how that happened quite later in life. Like it was one of those directors as a teenager and such. You watch all his movies sort of through one lens and not realising that they're all his movies. You don't know who he is. Mm. And then as an, as you get older and you're like, oh, that's all the same guy. Oh, which of those are not quite as they seem? Oh, oh, isn't what an interesting guy. And he just fascinates me. And everything about this movie, it's like, it's like the Venn diagram of all my things in one. Mm-hmm. Which of those? <laughs> it's Arnold. It's Verhoeven. Sci-fi. It's, and it's like it's technically 1990 but it's 80s aesthetic sci-fi, mm-hmm. like the mm-hmm. 80s version of the future and that yeah. it's, it's dark, concrete and like quite analog and there's lots of switches and dials and green Dots. lights. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like, lights. Yeah, yeah, that kind of shit, right? Yeah. And it's all practice, so much practical effects, and at the uh, we'll get into effects later. But all of those things together, the, the overall aesthetic, I guess, is what I'm saying for mm. that. Plus Arnold, plus Colors. action, plus it's it is a legit sci-fi premise with like a, a good little mind fuckery. I love yeah. a bit of mind fuckery, like all those things together. And you can watch it on any of those levels at any one time. You can watch this as a shit, uh, not a shit. You can watch this as a cheesy action movie. You can watch this as like thought-provoking sci-fi. You can watch this as just visual splendor and creativity exploding in your face. Good old-fashioned space opera. Oh, man. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, I think it's like top five. I think out of all the rewatches, this is my number one. And I, I compare it to a movie like Back to the Future, Ooh. which up until now has been my number one rewatch. And I think Back to the Future is more like objectively perfect, <laughs> whereas this is my more my personal Strikes. taste. This is my thing. Hits your notes. This is all my stuff in one. I fucking love it. Oh, I love it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. 
And it's got it's got this get out of jail free card. Because if you if you think this like if you're like, oh I don't like total recall, it's too cheesy. You go, well, oh, it's because actually it's a dream and that's what they want you to think. Because if it's a dream, then it's cheesy because it was written by the people at Recall Incorporated or whatever. You know what I mean? It's like it works Did on you it. have this conversation with anyone? It's either either level. No, I've just thought about it a lot. <laughs> but it's it just works on every level. It's 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 like a yeah, it's like this trick where if you don't like it, you have to like it. It's it's genius. It's genius. Oh. If you don't like it, you have to like it. Oh. I feel like that should be on the poster. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um there are a couple of things that I for, had forgotten that I was reminded of. Well, actually, not even forgotten. One of them that I didn't even know that it was only six weeks. Basically, he was yeah. his whole charade. Yeah, it was only six weeks. Um, it was a fresh charade. If you believe this is all real, and I forgot about the double twist. I forgot he was actually a bad guy. Yeah, yeah. I forgot I, about that. I've seen this movie so many times that I still forget. Yeah, the twist, twist, the double twist, the little titty twister, and and this is definitely a recency thing. But I couldn't help but notice some parallels with City Slickers. Ah, uh, yeah, I, yeah. I actually was doing that in my uh, synopsis. Ah, yeah. And there's a, and then and there was parts the Billy Crystal and the cowboy thing. Well, how old was Billy Crystal when he made City Slickers? Forty one. How old was Arnold when he made this? Forty one. He was probably supposed to be thirty eight. Like same shit, midlife yeah. crisis. Yeah. He's like, I just feel I was meant for something more than this. He yeah. says that. He's in his shitty construction job, not dissimilar to Billy Crystal's shitty advertising job, which is very similar to ours. Um, he wants to go on an adventure, not, yeah. not dissimilar to, to Billy Crystal. Correct. He has his memory wiped and these actions come back to him as if it was something he did in a previous life, which Billy Crystal yeah. maintains he was a cowboy in yeah. a previous life. He says this. And he got cowboy abilities very easily. I'm now outside of the movie here. But there's a lot going on there. Yeah, and and not, let's not um, discount the physical similarities between Billy Crystal. <laughs> uh, anyway, sorry, that, that was quite a long um, initial reaction. But what about you? How was the rewatch for you? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was a treat. I Look, to be honest, I probably watched this movie only a couple of years ago. Yeah, this is on regular rotation. Yeah, it does, it does pop up. So it wasn't super fresh. Which probably would have been more impactful, but yeah. it's still a enjoyable ride. It's but it's so rewatchable that I started watching it again just before you got here. I watched it when I was doing my notes today, and I was stuck in again. Like it's just yeah. there's so much there, and especially I think the main reason is because you can legitimately watch this movie either way simultaneously. It could be a dream or it could be real. Yes, but that's the Verhoeven way. He wants the audience to decide. It's not. I'm not deciding. It's their movie when they're watching. It was an effect you would call it a very postmodern movie. There are two realities. Then people say, "What's the real one?" And I always said, "There is no real one. There is this one, and there is that one. There is not. This is the true, and this is a dream. They're both true." That was my idea to make a movie about two things that were true, although they were not the same. And just the two realities that would be as strong as uh, both equivalent. I, I did a little um, for and against. So basically, if it's a dream, the doctor that visits him um, with the pill, mm. he was the guy in the Total Recall ad on the train. Mm. So he works at Total Recall. Oh, it checks out. So that, that suggests it's a dream. 
in saying that, he did have a bead of sweat. So if it was real life, maybe he got put up to it and he was very nervous about having a gun pointed to his head. So maybe it's real. Also, everything that the initial recall man says comes true. You are a top operative back under deep cover on your most important mission. People are trying to kill you left and right. You meet this beautiful, exotic woman. Come on. I don't want to spoil it for you, Doug, but you rest assured by the time the trip is over, you get the girl, kill the bad guys, and save the entire planet. Everything that that doctor that visits him with the red pill says comes true. He's like, if you don't take this now... The walls of reality will come crashing down. One minute you'll be the savior of the rebel cause, and the next thing you know, you'll be Cohagen's bosom buddy. You'll even have fantasies about alien civilizations, as you requested, but in the end, back on Earth, you'll be lobotomized. Maybe he was a shaman. Well, maybe that's, yeah, it could be. Is that? Triple twist. (laughs) (laughs) The image of the alien artifacts, basically that whole system underground, was in one of those initial images of alien artifacts they showed at Recall when he was laying yes. down. Yeah. Oh. Oh. I think that probably one of the biggest ones to indicate it may be a dream is at the end it fades to white mm. instead of fading to black. Yes. Yes. And she does say, kiss me before you wake up. Yes. Now, in, in, in argument for it not being a dream, for it being real, his dream at the beginning that was Melina – but he does also design her later, so it's tricky. Sharon Stone being against Mars. Yeah. They show scenes. This is a big one, actually. They show scenes that he's not in. Yes. So he can't have memories necessarily of scenes he's not in. To me, that says that could be it could be real because Everybody we're seeing is, things that aren't impacting him specifically. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the bit of sweat I mentioned. I think ultimately the, the strongest proof point for it being real, which I'm not saying I believe, but... One of them is the fact that it's Arnold because he could not really just exist in a normal life being being Arnold. So it kind of suggests he might be a spy. But I had leaned yeah. towards dream. I don't know about you. Uh, I've always leaned towards not dream and then this time I was a bit more dream. Yeah, interesting. But then I think before I got here I decided not dream. Oh, <laughs> did you stop the car for a second? You pulled over. Yeah, well, I was trying to park. It took me <laughs> so I'll go just for argument's sake. I'll stick with why not? Have, we'll have one of each. I'll take Dream, you take Not Dream. Um, I love the look of this movie, Greg. Yeah? It fucking looks great, doesn't it? It's visually appealing. And the special effects, like we've talked about practical effects before, right? This is the pinnacle though because mm. this is one of the last movies to have this much in terms of practical effects. So you're, you're seeing the craft at its best at a huge budget. I'd kind of forgotten how much of like puppets and shit there were. Like there's a lot of fake Arnold heads, the two weeks lady. Two weeks lady is great. That is so good. I think that's probably my favourite Why do they th- How do they think of that? It's so creative. There's so many. That's, that's my main thing the on that. The ear thing. Did the heads are That's bomb. my main thing on that. I, I wrote down like, yeah, it's such a strange and specific Idea. vision. Yeah. It's so bizarre. It's not necessary. Like mm. but they just did it as like a weird have some creative fun. vision. And it's an epic scene. It's epic and odd and unsettling and weird and but great. Unsettling and just in, like it pulls you in. It pulls you in. And, yes, you could you could point to some of these practical effects, especially the faces and things, not looking super real, but I think they look real enough. Yeah. And they're tactile. That means a lot to me, I think, I've realised. Mm. 
it feels real because it's it's there. It doesn't mm. look like CGI goo. Yes. Um, um, big proponents of on this show of mm. practical effects. In saying that, this had some early groundbreaking CGI as well. Column A, column B. Yeah, best of both worlds. We're trying to push <laughs> boundaries in old and new. Yeah. The X-ray scene. Oh, see, that was Shit, good. man, that's great. That's CGI. So basically they had that Arnold dressed up in like the dots on the suit, like all the things they do now much better. It was like primitive version of all that stuff. Um, so many miniatures in this. Like they did yeah. hardcore miniatures. Yeah. That whole scenescape of him on the tr- – like they zoom out from him on the, on the train. And then yeah, yeah. There's like miniatures of different scales to make it seem like it's a huge – I think most of that works pretty well. The train you gotta, feels Yeah, you've got to go with it. Yeah, yeah. You've got to surrender to the film. I think that's the thing though too because it's all so consistent. It all fits the vibe of the movie. That It's, you, it's easy you, to yeah, do that. It's easy to do that, yeah. Nothing pulls you out. And like the yeah, the fucking pulling the ball out of the nose, that's kind of a that's a puppety thing too. Yeah, the old rubber head. Quato's a puppet. But it all like oh it's slick. Well it's a sl- slick operation. Quato's slick because he's got like a a um, a membrane sort of <laughs> mucusy It's pretty mucusy, I think. In your mind. I think I thought he Quay. emerges from the belly, but he's always there. Isn't Start he? the reactor. <laughs> So good, man. So good. Is he emerge? He must emerge somewhat because the guy's like, ah, oh, like he's in pain. Yeah, he has to. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. not like he goes. Hey, um. So you've said this is your preferred type of future. Yeah. Shall we have a little, uh, a little run through of some of the predictions yeah. slash introduction of ideas of future? Yes, yes please. Um, now. I believe it's 2084, this movie, by the way. Which is pretty it's like fun. My 100th birthday. Oh, of course. Yeah. Happy birthday <laughs> in <laughs> advance. <laughs> so, the future predictions uh, the big one, I guess, for this is driverless cars, I think was quite a big. The yeah, Johnny, Johnny, cabs. Johnny Cabs. Not a sustainable business, I would argue. They're very easy to steal and then they kamikaze themselves if you don't pay. Yeah. <laughs> and you can rip. You, you just kind rip of rip it off, off and the there's joystick. a joystick and you can drive it yourself. <laughs> Very convenient. A good manual. Well, you know, if it breaks down, it's good to have a manual backup, you know. We're yeah, so yeah. reliant on tech these days. Yeah, true. What happens if your uh, phone stops working? Exactly. Bad example. But <laughs> uh, Stick blenders. Were they already a thing in 90? I didn't have one in 1990. Oh, interesting. When he's preparing his be. little morning shake. Because that would be a very um, esoteric thing to um, predict. <laughs> Um, construction on-site safety. Felt a little loose in this area. <laughs> now, you know, OH&S has come a very long way in this country yeah. and I assume internationally or at least in America, I assume Mars would as well. Uh, they have no <laughs> have no earphones on while they're jackhammering, which is very dangerous for your eardrums. Yeah, but um, they can have a casual chat over this jackhammer too. Exactly. So, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, it a few question marks. TV wall in the home. That's pretty cool. I think that was probably that's very cool, cutting edge. Although it does raise the question of if they have this technology. Now he's supposed to not be a rich man either. If they have this, yeah. this technology in a basic apartment where the wall is a screen, yet every other place there's these big boxy CRT CRT TVs. Yes, <laughs> this is uh, this is it's some inconsistencies. Yeah, why isn't like on the train arising. one of the walls a screen and you know that yeah, kind of stuff? Yeah, that's a good question. But aesthetically, I don't mind. It's nice. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the virtual exerciser was cool. Yeah. You could argue there's some sort of Wii territory there. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
I still would like to see. I feel like we haven't leveraged or fully embraced hologram opportunities as much as I thought we would post uh, Tupac. At well, I think, I think what we're finding with the hologram thing is it's all very, uh, it's a bit like the hoverboard thing where like in a very specific circumstance you might be able to have a hoverboard with a series of magnets and such. Mm. <laughs> but in terms of just strolling down the street on a hoverboard, it's far away. Like the hologram thing, have to be at a very specific angle, I think. Ah, to get the gram. Like versus just being able to walking around a whole head. Yeah, well, look, if you away. just need a tennis coach, you know, maybe you got the angle you need. I don't know. That's true, actually. How many angles do you need for tennis? Uh, the one I'll wrap it up with is the fingernail technology, the little colour changer. The uh, yeah. receptionist at uh, Recall uh, basically has a little pen and as she taps each finger it sort of changes the whole fingernail colour. That was cool. Carol was into that. That was cool. Funny story. <laughs> in, that, in the book, uh, apparently, I, I didn't read the book, full disclosure, 26 pages, too much for me. Yeah, but uh, apparently he walks in and she's painted her breasts. And I don't know if that's supposed to be shocking or if that's just a thing people do in the future. And I'm, okay. I'm surprised Verhoeven's like, no, too much for me. We don't do that in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it to the nails. <laughs> She's painting her breasts. Yeah. Yeah, that is pretty out there. Yeah, so I'm not sure not sure what that was about. I think hand in hand with this vision of this fu- of the future and the uh, aesthetic of this movie is the violence. It's part of the artistry, a part of the uh, spectacle of this of this movie. And, yeah, it's a violent film. Yeah, and, and Verhoeven gets a lot of cops a lot of flack for his violence. And I think I think we might have talked about this in um Basic Instinct. But I think he makes a fucking good point. Uh-huh. He says like, oh, it, uh, people say my my graphic violence or extreme it's violence unsettling. Yeah, and it's like it's like exactly unsettling, and it's like, well, violence should be unsettling. It's yeah. supposed to make you shouldn't be comfortable with violence. Yeah. It's, if someone die, that's bad. You should feel bad. Yeah, and like there's scenes like Escalator Man, Human Shield, and you know mm. that, and it's oh, that's gross. It's horrible. You feel horrible, but that's kind of how you should feel if an innocent man dies. Is that not how you should feel? Yes. And you compare that to like Marvel movies. Where like people, so many people die off screen and you feel nothing because you know buildings fall down and whatnot. You got to think people were in them, people are dying. Well, the odds are exactly someone's going to be at least within a proximity that's going to you know there'll be rubble. Exactly, and debris. so they present this violence that's glorifying violence because you're seeing heroes blow shit up, it. normalizing it with very little discomfort attached to it. Whereas this is showing you how brutal it is and how horrible it is. Um, I, I like his angle on that. Ah, the, yeah. I tell you what they're partial to in this film that was probably the style at the time, the good uh, bullet hole in the head. That was, yeah. He's yeah. borderline on overuse of that in here. He's loving the bullet, the old bullet shot to the head. Yeah, big time. Apparently they had to cut stuff out because it got rated X initially. Yeah. And Arnold reckons um, Verhoeven did that on purpose so that he could like had – he could then take stuff out, whereas it probably would have got rated X even in this version. <laughs> there was, yeah. Apparently uh, X yes. rating was a thing briefly in the early 90s or something. Yeah. I thought it was a porn, porn thing. thing. <laughs> but um, apparently it was a movie thing as well. Do you, do you ever think, um, you know, you think about this, you think about True Lies. Yeah. Do you ever wonder how hard it would be being a secret agent who's 6'2", <laughs> probably about 240, 250 pounds, you know, yeah. like sort of 120 kilos or something? Yeah. Yeah, and what is he in True Lies? Like a shoe salesman or something? Yeah, he's, he's basically Al Bundy. <laughs> he's a desk man. He's a desk jockey. 
I'm so, I'm so tired from pushing pencils all day. Boring you with my job. <laughs> job. <laughs> the absurdity. I with it. Oh, yeah. Le- and, and a heavy Austrian accent. Yeah, almost. yeah, yeah. The, well, we talked about this, right? There's two movies where they explain his accent. I always yeah, forget I the second one. Go for it. One's twins and the other one is something else. But, yeah, it's it's funny too because we've talk, we talk about Arnie all the goddamn time, but one of the things about Arnie is, yeah, he is an odd dude and he's got a thick accent. And part of his whole narrative is like these things that made me the became my weaknesses became my strengths and these these are the things. But two of his most iconic roles, Terminator and this, called for an ordinary looking man. <laughs> so it's not that they needed him. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's interesting. He's just a very persuasive man. I think I, yeah, I think that's a big part of it. But that's a good point too. I was thinking Arnie out of Lap Pack, and we haven't for any new listeners. Lap pack. We're talking. We're talking the Latissimus Dorsey, the muscle-bound action stars. You know, in the old days they had the Rat Pack, and then in the eighties you had the Brat Pack, and then the nineties you had the Frat Pack. We're talking about the Lap Pack. We're talking about action heroes. He transcends more than the other Lap Pack. Like our, our mums have seen Arnie movies, they may not have seen Jean Claude Van Damme movies, right? Mm. He's worked with good directors. Yeah. He's so James Cameron, obviously, multiple multiple occasions. Yeah. Uh-huh. Verhoeven. Um, Ivan Reitman, John McTiernan. So he's got all these tier one directors attached yeah, to him. He's, Whereas, a, he's a tier one star. Yeah, but, it, but which came first? It's kind of what I'm saying. So imagine oh. is that all they were missing? Like if Dolph got a any one of those guys, would he have been one tier up? I know there's limited ability there, but also at this time, even in this movie, I love Arnold, but he's acting there's gaps, ah, there's, yeah, there's weaknesses. Ah, <laughs> I've never heard him scream so much. This has some great Arnold sounds, doesn't it? It's probably the best. <laughs> ah, there's a great clip on the YouTube that's a collation, a compilation. watching that <laughs> but that'll probably do yeah great sounds some of his best sounds i would i would argue oh big time oh man his finest hey I, 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 I watched the e e entertainment clip oh, yeah. um of uh the premiere oh yeah star started yeah and they're all talking about oh, this is so different for uh yeah it's so different for him and then i was kind of like is it like it's still there's still a lot of tropes in here that are yeah, for him it's not different. Like in terms of what he has to do in this movie, it's yeah. not different. But it's everything around him yeah. is different. He's like the first time I played two people. <laughs> like, all right, settle down, Chad and Alex. But um, at the end they interview Mr. T and he's just like, why is it different? It's Arnold. He's like killing shit and shit's blowing up. <laughs> oh, it's a good clip. I don't know about it different but a lot of action. You know, I thought Arnold's movie action. What's different about it? He's got a, he had a cup. He had a chalice. <laughs> yeah, he did. Oh, I was thinking also, and this is a funny full circle moment, 
Because I was trying to think where were they in the Arnold-Sly rivalry at this point. Yeah. And um, I realised this is 1990. Demolition Man was 1993. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like the Diet Coke version of this movie a little bit. And yeah, if you recall back, yeah, and there's like the kind of like thrown that part into where a, they he goes and has a real hamburger in that area yeah. was a bit like Mars and fish out of water. Yeah, the fish out of water stuff. There's a lot in there that is there's overlap. And what's funny about that is I don't know if you remember that episode. I said this movie would be better if it was directed by Paul Verhoeven. <laughs> and, yeah. yeah, right. I said that right. Yeah. So I must have unconsciously maybe made that connection. Ah. So that's interesting. It was still a few years before Stop on My Mum Will Shoot. But it was, there yeah. was. Now that would be uh, <laughs> fair and joint. Yeah. So that, yeah, that's interesting, huh? Oh, I did have, I did have a little angle on what could be a little thought provoking reading of this film, Greg. Oh. Or at least a, oh, yeah. a thought provoking, uh, <sighs> tying it to the culture of 2020, perhaps. So is. Is the Instagram co- basically COVID culture? <laughs> COVID culture is related. Is Instagram basically recall incorporated or whatever the fuck? So the way we use social media, Go on. you could argue, is it, we're basically, especially Instagram, we're basically curating our memories, right? We're choosing the best memories that we want on the record that we go back and reflect on and we want others to reflect Shit. on for us. We're meeting the things we don't want. So that there's kind of that being untruthful by omission. But even the stuff you do include, you're not seeing the full picture, there's filters, there's this, there's that. You're like altering your reality. So I think there's something in that. You can even apparently, apparently you can even, there are services now that give you fake pictures. So basically you get in the fake memories. So you can pretend you went to Coachella, you can pretend you did this, you can pretend you did that. Yeah. Uh. It's a real thing. And so it's very similar to recall except it, in, instead of changing your memories, it's changing your representation of your memories yeah, to the world. Changing, yeah, others. So that might be the 2020 view. twist is that like how we define self is now maybe external versus internal, which is kind of interesting. It's yes, the projections. That is very interesting. And you could argue in, in a post-COVID world, we're so virtual right now that so much of who we are is defined by what's on digital our True. digital persona. So, but you would come undone a little if you posted lots of travel photos now. right now. Yeah, 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 you would. You would. COVID's accelerated it. How much of our life is going to be through digital? That how much of what we are is defined by our digital our digital footprint versus what we've actually experienced. And I was thinking, is there a modern version of this where, let's say, you forgot your memories? Forgot your memories? Yeah, you lost your memories yeah, today. I forgot them. I forgot them. Ah, I've got a goddamn memories. <laughs> um, imagine if they rebuilt you based on your Instagram. Would you be the same person? I'd be a bowl of pasta. <laughs> <laughs> We'd all be bowls of pasta. With lots of parmesan. <laughs> the, the, the population would transform into bowls of pasta and... Glasses of froze, <laughs> <laughs> and everyone would just be yeah, boomeranging slightly side to side. Uh, but that, yeah, that, that's my twenty twenty reading of this. I film. like it. It's interesting. I think there's probably that, more to dig there, but I couldn't. Yeah, quite crack I feel it. like you're linking this to a, a, a solid episode of Black Mirror. Ah, uh, yeah, kinda potentially. Hey, should we talk about the legacy of this movie? We, you watched a bit of the reboot, didn't you? Yes, I did. So I never fully watched the reboot, and I think. 
for, for, for starters, that's eight years old now, which is a I bit of a I thought it was like two fuck. years ago. Same. But then it had Action Farrell, so it had to be a little bit older. Oh, uh, yeah, because now he's cool guy, he's, he's Indie Farrell. quirky Farrell. Indie Farrell. Well, yeah. by far and away I preferred Farrell. Oh, absolutely. Um, he found his thing. Yeah. But at this stage, not yeah, my cup of tea. No. So I remember I think I was really excited that this movie was coming out because I love the original so much. Yeah, and I was kind of initially open-minded that yeah. there's a lot to explore here. Well, they so say, it be- open your mind. <laughs> um, yeah, right. Uh, how are they going to treat it, blah, blah, blah. But then I didn't watch it at the time. I think it got really bad reviews really quickly. Yeah. And I think I shied away. And then away. I just switched off. Like yeah. Indiana Jones number four. I yeah. just haven't seen it. Yeah. So, but I was intrigued this week to watch it. Yeah. Um, made a lot easier by the fact that it's got Kate Beckinsale and Jessica Biel for that matter. But it's a bag of shit. I'm sorry to yeah. those people. It's so rushed. All I the tension that, building. Yeah. They've rushed straight into. And then stylistically. It's like they didn't even know why people liked the first one. Yeah. Like I'm all – I don't mind a reboot if you've got a point of view. Where are my big green knobs? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Where the big boxy CRT TV is. Yeah. No, but even like I'm, I'm up for a reimagining. Give me like a fresh new thing yeah. of like this Especially premise. in sci-fi because – Yeah. Because it's a theory. It's how you there's a way, it is yeah. Everything. But really. nothing says it more. This is the thing too. It, it it tries to do something different, but then it still does too much of the old one because it does have the two weeks thing. Oh it's my just god! Like a flickering so of a hologram. That, that for me is the perfect example exactly. of why this movie is shit compared to the original. Yeah. So we talked before about the two weeks thing. It's such an elaborate, over the top, drawn out scene that didn't need to be, yeah. but was yeah. and was. But it makes it, it makes it. It's a it's choice. Like, it's an iconic scene. It's a choice. And, and in this one, yeah. So do you want to explain the? Well, he just goes through and he's like, he's got a hologram face or something, and it just kind of flickers, flickers a little bit. Like, like, oh, it's good out there. And the two weeks chick was. You thought they they wanted you to believe it was another chick. Oh, she actually says two weeks. There's, an oh. actual, there's a lady that looks like the lady, the two weeks oh. lady, and they and she's like two weeks, but then it's not her. It's just him, and then it's rushed. And I'm like, again, you rushed it. And it's like then don't like don't do it then. If are you making a nod to it or do you think it's important to the movie? I think they were making nods. They're, they're, exactly. But they weren't good yeah, nods. Because they had the three boob lady, which I think they had to do. That bit was okay. <laughs> and and I'd heard they were gonna make this one more based on the book, which explains why they don't have Mars. Oh no, but Mars was in the book. So yeah, it's weird. And they've got this whole thing of Getting, there's there's the UK and there's the colony. the colony, which is Australia. Yeah. And they, yet no one has, everyone has American accents. And you travel through. The centre of the earth. The centre of the earth. But that's, that stuff. It's very hot in the middle of the earth. It's <laughs> yeah, very yeah. hot. Yeah, yeah. That feels But if everything else worked, I would probably buy into that. But it's, yeah, and yeah, I, I think at first, I think at first, probably the first 10 minutes I was It was like, great because you got Kate Beckinsale. <laughs> well, I was a bit, I was a little bit there. like. <laughs> I was a little bit like, maybe this actually isn't that. Oh, maybe this is better than I thought. Maybe I just shouldn't have written this off. And then it's got a good it's cast. Just, it's got Bill Nye. Yeah, it's got a lot of people. It's got Brian Cranston. It's got the other guy from Breaking, Breaking Bad. Bad. Yeah, exactly. It's got um. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, the other thing that really pissed me off versus the original is um the big when the film opens they have words on screen like context setting. Yeah. I love how the original has no context setting. It just throws you into yeah, this wacky yeah, world. And you're like, what the fuck is going together. on? But they go. The year is blah blah blah. The primary form. There's only two places left, and you, and there's a tunnel. Nuclear. And it, it, the fall. They call that the fall, and, and everything's just explained, Spelled and it's just out. like, nah. it's, yeah, as you say, they they really they castrate it. 
Yeah, yeah, that's what they do. They cut all the edges off, all the things that made it interesting. What did you say? They squeezed its soul out or something? Yeah. Another good one I heard it was like a bad cover song or something. You know, it's just. Yeah. I would say one interesting um, interpretation was they kind of morphed a few characters into Uh, Kate Beckinsale and rather than being the killed off wife, she is the, you know, sort of main hunter. Yeah. He's uh, Ironside. She's Ironside. Yeah. 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 And then Carol's like, yeah, and. Jessica Biel is Benny. <laughs> She's driving him around. I'm like, yeah. That's <laughs> She's it's like, true. She's like, yeah, it's killed off all these useless characters like Benny and and the what's yeah. his name? And Ironside. What's his, yeah. what's his name? Uh, I forget now. Paul. <laughs> oh, that's the Probably. director. Uh, apparently there was a, a TV sequel. It was called Total Recall 2070, but apparently it was more like Blade Runner and it wasn't really connected to this at all. Other than the name. Uh, yeah. But there was actually going, there was potentially going to be a sequel. And this is quite interesting. Okay. So Gary Goldman, the guy that came in as the last round of script doctoring, uh-huh. um, he was adapting Minority Report, the book, The Minority Report by Philip K. Dick. Uh-huh. And if you remember, obviously that eventually got turned into a movie that was not connected to this one. Wait, so that movie was, the book was called Minority Report? It wasn't called... Something else. How Is come <laughs> lazy robots... What if What if when you slept in a pool you could see the future and stuff? I think yeah, that's what it was yeah. called. What, <laughs> what about having ads that are tailored to you? <laughs> what, what would you do if you had uh, drugs in your eyeballs and things? Yeah. Um, that's got Colin Farrell in it too. <laughs> it does. I was thinking that. This has come full 360. It has. But this is interesting because, you know, the, the whole thing in Minority Report of these precogs with precognitive ability to yes. predict things, they were actually... A.K.A. the bald ladies. Yeah, the bald ladies. So basically uh, Gary Goldman was thinking we could make Minority Report, we could tail that into a sequel to Total Recall because the mutants, because we'd given the mutants these abilities. Oh, yeah. So the mutants could have been those people, yada, yada, yada. I do think it would have compromised... The Purity. was it real or was it not real? It would yeah. have to have been real yeah. for that to happen, which, yeah, so kind of ruins it. And he never does sequels. Verhoeven never does sequels, so it wouldn't have been good. He's like, I've, I want to do new things. I don't want to do the same thing. I already did that. Yeah, what about Robocop 2? He didn't do it. Ah, ah. Just checking your story but, checks but out. But most, most of them have sequels. There's um, Basic Instinct 2. There's Basic Instinct 2. There's Robocop 2. There's um, what's it called? Starship Troopers. There's like a whole oh, bunch of yeah. those. So th- it's funny. There's I forget a lot of he does that. I always forget he did that movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny, right? Um, another little legacy point I thought was interesting was take the red pill to yeah. go out of, to go back to reality, to get out of this dream world, to get ah, out of the simulation. Of course. That obviously went to the Matrix, same, hey, same hey, color Matrix, of pill. You're yeah. welcome, Matrix. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, John Matrix Yeah, was his character's was name. This. In Commando. So basically the Wachowskis just ripped off. There's cherry-picked all their favourite Arnold elements. Yeah, it's East, they're called Easter eggs. Easter eggs. <laughs> right? Yeah. Now this isn't quite legacy but something, uh, we brought this up on um, we brought this up on Basic Instinct. The, uh, the, the film that never was, the next Arnold and Verhoeven joint, which yeah. was going to be all about the Crusades. Oh. Fuck, that would have been so good. The what? more I read about it, the more I want it. What happened? I wish it happened. So basically after this movie, they're like, I like you. Arnold pitched the idea to 
to Verhoeven of like, we should do a movie about the Crusades, like the first Crusade, I think. So it was going to be called Crusade. He said it's like a mix of Spartacus and Conan. Robert Duvall was in there, Jennifer Connolly, John Turturro, uh, Christopher McDonald. It was all written and ready to go. They wanted heaps and heaps of money and and Carol Coe like chickened out at the last minute. And they instead they made um, Cutthroat Island, which was the biggest flop of all time. Ah, uh, Carol Coe. Yeah, and Verhoeven made Showgirls. Uh-huh. So Carol Coe died. The Carol Coe was over. <laughs> yeah. But I long for this world where well, Arnold, Verhoeven didn't really recover too well from. Well, Starship Troopers. Yeah. I think that was after. People like Showgirls though. I think it's one of those ones where upon revisiting there's something in there that's good. I haven't watched it for a while. And when, I, when I first watched it I watched it for different reasons. Yeah. yeah for the, um, <laughs> the old uh, double boobs instead of triples. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gina Gershwin. <laughs> yeah. And um, no, there was another movie too. What was it? Oh, Hollow Man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember watching Hollow Man. Yeah. I remember being excited for its release, renting yeah. it, watching it. Yeah. I long for a world, though, where where um, Arnie and Verhoeven are De Niro Scorsese. Like, I would just make more. It would have been good, you know. Just keep going. Just keep going. Keep going. But I was thinking if they, maybe not a reboot or, or a sequel, I, I would love to see a video game set in the Total Recall universe these days. would be oh, quite yeah? cool. And I was thinking you could still have an interesting twist in there, right? Because there's a lot of video games these days where it's first person where you don't actually see yourself at all. You have no voice. You're just kind of in there. And it would be cool if towards the end of the game you see your reflection and maybe you're Arnold. And you're you're Richard Dreyfus, Potentially or Arnold or Michael Ironside. And it would be like a moment of like, oh, I was that guy this whole time. I didn't know I was that guy. So it's almost like a meta trick of like the feeling of being, you know, there's something there, half an idea. Uh, If you're out there, um, Hideo Kojima, hit me up. Three-boobed lady? Three-boobed lady, Uh, yeah. Because that would be hard to know. I mean, you'd know quickly if you were three-boobed lady because everyone would be like, every character would be like. Everyone's looking at the ground, walking around in circles. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But no, there are some cool games these days that have like interesting, clever tricks like that and it's good mindfuckery that works on the medium. So, yeah, I thought that could be interesting. Look, the only challenge for me with that concept, mm. the problem is it's not set in the west or mountain-type uh, regions. Mars could be the west though. They could make that a western. Oh, like Westworld. Yeah. Is that set on Mars? No. Oh, there's been theories that it might be but I don't think ah, it is. Ah, well, they, there's a I think theory. it's in Indonesia or something. Oh, yeah, good for them. <laughs> Good for the economy. Yeah. Should we get into the voidict? Yeah, yeah. I think we've run out of material. All right. I don't know what to say, really. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. I am the law. I'd like an answer to the question, Judge. I want to have them answered immediately. You can't handle the truth. What are you waiting for? Ah! Say what again. Say what again. I dare you. Nothing further. Your Honor. And that's all I have to say about that. Uh, what, are, what are your overall thoughts, Greg? Um, uh, they're positive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think especially if you haven't seen these for a while, especially. Oh, what a treat. It'll smack you. you around the head yeah. in a good way if you like being smacked in the head. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah. Um, I haven't articulated that as accurately as I would have liked. No, it's like a smack in the head, but a yeah, good one. Yeah, good smack in the head. And you, how did you feel about this movie? Oh, man, I fucking love this movie. <laughs> I love it. It's just I love it so much. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's, uh, it's my perfect movie. It it's, has it all. It's got a great score. It's worth noting. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it really does. Not to mention it's um, being the origin of the Open Your Mind techno song of mid-90s. Oh, right. Open your mind. Open your mind. Oh. Open your mind. <laughs> Open your mind. Oh. Open your mind. Oh. Oh. Yeah, man, I fucking love this movie. I, I don't know what else to say without repeating myself, but it's just got everything up. Love it, love it, love it. Um, well, what, yeah, why don't we jump into our little patented cultural relevancy tests? Uh huh, uh huh. So, did Simpsons do it? Did you did you find? I out didn't find one? anything. Apparently, there is a, apparently an episode, an episode in season twenty five called "Days of Future Future." But there's some kind of memory implant thing happening, which is all very Total Recall-esque. So technically that's a yes. Porn parody, yes. From what I could see, Total Reball. Oh, yeah, I just assumed there'd be some three titties out there. Well, and as I was going to say, there also seems to be a lot of those. Bechdel test, no. But it doesn't fall that far off, I don't think. Because to be fair, I don't think anyone has a conversation that isn't about Quaid. So not to give it a pass, but... You know, it does, it does better than most because I think there are good female with, good um, female characters in here. You're looking with Verhoeven coloured glasses. <laughs> I am. I love the man. Um, FX test, a big fat yes from me. Is it a yes yeah, from you? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And explosions. There's some good explosions yeah, in here. No Molotov yeah. cocktails specifically but. There's a grenade, isn't there? There's grenades and there's drilly car things. And oh, the drilly car things. Exploding are heads and all kinds of things. Yeah, yeah That's a, a big lot fat of devastation. Pass. How do you go with recast these? Oh, look, I threw some names in here. Yeah. No, none, of, none of these are going to – they're okay. So for, yeah. for the lead I had Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Oh, yeah, that's good. That works because he can be a pencil pusher. Yeah. He can do both. Yeah. That's the, that's looks, the trick to this one. He looks like he's from the future a bit. Because I think to like what we were saying before, if you're going to reboot this thing, make it different. Yeah. So maybe make it more like the original intent, which was an office worker guy. Yeah. And I think you cracked it there. Thanks, bro. Yeah. I've had a couple of random ones yeah. for him. Tom Hardy could probably do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Bill Hader could definitely do it. Bill Hader? <laughs> he could because have you seen Barry? No. He could do it. Really? If you watch Barry, you can kind of see it because he's basically a hitman. Oh, really? Yeah. I just threw his name and I saw it. And you up. wouldn't think, oh, watch Barry, man. I like Bill Hader. It's a fucking great show. Yeah, right. I had a few recasties. I had Steve Zahn as the bad guy with glasses. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you liked that. I haven't seen Zahn in a while. Yeah, where? Have anyone seen Zahn? <laughs> um, and then I was trying to think of I was trying to think of more dweeb like specimens that could but that could transcend, that could do a bit of both. Oh, that's not bad actually. He's quite but not quite geek, not quite honk. It's Shia LaBeouf. Well, I this one is one I heard. So on, on Blank check with Griffin and David. They they were saying Paul Giamatti, um, which is not bad. <laughs> and I was thinking Daniel Radcliffe, but then I was also thinking because oh, yeah. I was watching the new one and John Cho is in it as yeah. the as the technician. He's the, he's the recall. He's guy. the recall guy, but he could be the guy. Yeah, he could be he the would guy be great. for sure. That would be good. Yeah. yeah, I quite like that. And I think Kate Beckinsale was actually a good casting decision for um, Laurie. Me too. 
Yeah. Especially for the opening few minutes. <laughs> I for the girls for the recasties, I thought Blake Lively could be in there somewhere. She seems like she'd have to be a good person. No, nah, but I thought she could be the bad person. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Um and Kirsten Stewart, Kristen Stewart as the good the good hooker. Yeah, yeah. The good hooker. The hooker with a heart of gold. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be a prostitute. Sleazy but, but demure. Yeah, sleazy but demure. <laughs> uh, how'd you go with the six degrees? Oh, uh, man, I feel like I copped out a little bit. Yeah. As we do this more, I feel like it's a cop out if it's a movie I haven't seen or if it's like a, a minor role, but fuck it. This is what I got. So Dean Norris, a.k.a. Vagina Face in this, um, um, he was in Breaking Bad with Brian Cranston. Brian Cranston was in Seinfeld um, and Seinfeld had an actor named Ned Bellamy who was the army guy that worked at the at the thing with Elaine and he kept writing these horrible – remember that guy? Not really, uh, but I believe you. Yeah. I'm ready to believe you. <laughs> he was in Universal Soldier. Ah, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. Who yeah. – and then? John Corbin. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, of course, Universal yeah. Soldier. Yeah, I knew that. But what I'm finding with the six degrees is it's hard. If you can't get it in two degrees, it's really hard. Oh, <laughs> man. you have to take a leap I of faith. I spent so much time this time. Yeah, you've got, to go down a, you've got to go down a certain route. Yeah, and it's Arnold. So intuitively it feels like it's going to be closer. But no, it's not necessarily because he, he's not, there's not a lot of common threads. Well, you could go Arnold to Predator. Well, that's what I was – okay, I was thinking about that. But okay, Go. Arnold the Predator. Yeah. Van Damme was the Predator. Oh, fuck. Uh, not in the final product. <laughs> True. All right. So I went, uh, oh, okay. So I went Arnold to Predator, Predator to Lance Henriksen in Alien versus Predator. Oh. Predator being the link. But Lance Henriksen, then that counts as two then, I think. So Predator to. Alien and Predator. Yeah. With Lance Henriksen. Is he in Alien vs. Predator? Yeah. Oh, okay. And then Lance Henriksen is in Hard Target. Oh. So. Not bad. Not bad. But wait, then you could have just gone Arnold Terminator Hard Target. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this but, is the thing, too. But I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> like I was tight for time for notes and I would have spent half an hour easy yeah. trying to get yeah. out. As long, I was up to like ten names. Oh, I find it easier now to actually look up Van Damme movies and work yeah. back from Correct. There. <laughs> yeah. Correct. <laughs> yeah. See if it sparks any threads. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Anyway. Um, well, I guess that's it. What about MVP? Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, it's not obvious, I think, for MVP, for the main MVP. yeah. I think I had Sharon Stone as my low-key VP. So I I was like, does she count as main MVP? Because she's probably performance-wise yeah, you had it. Yeah, yeah. So I had her as low-key, but... But I did say it's my favourite Arnold movie, so... And, and he's pretty good in it. He like is, he, yeah. he is different to his normal characters. He's like, yeah. oh, why is everyone trying to kill me? <laughs> like he's, you know, he's not an out-and-out killer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My low-key was two weeks, lady. <laughs> See, this is where I've gone wrong. Because I've put Sharon in low key, I've missed all the quirky characters yeah, yeah, for, yeah. for a good low key. Yeah, yeah. 
So I don't, yeah, I kind of stitched myself there. Uh, if we haven't said it already, this is a fucking rewatch for sure. It's a rewatch. Get around it. I suggest doing it with popcorn. Yeah, it's a real popcorn flick. Not that I got popcorn when I watched it, but I feel like popcorn now. So <laughs> that's how I've joined those dots. Next week. Nowhere to run. Oh, I'm up to f- episode 70. 70. Uh, of course, every 10th episode is a Jean-Claude Van Damme picture in chronological order. Nowhere to run. So that's coming up next week. That's episode 70. We've come a long way, or have we? Who really knows? Uh, Hey, if you're still listening, that means hopefully you like the episode. So please leave us a review if that's the case. Yeah, Um, like the reviews. Hey, uh, well, on the notion of our, you know, are we better now, we have more listeners now than when we started. True. True. So keep that in mind. That's true. You know what I don't like as we get new listeners? The Batman Forever episode is going back up to number it's our second biggest episode now. Yeah. And I feel like people are listening to it just because of the first episode. But off. don't start there because <laughs> it's not, oh, I Correct. hate to think people are starting there and then going, yeah, not for me. Anyway, hey, leave us a review if you can. And uh, follow us on Facebook or the Instagrams there, Double Impact Podcast, uh, or email us, doubleimpactpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, I guess that's it. We'll see you next week for the pod retreat. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs>